Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Late Night Hockey Podcast. Uh, first things first, kind of want to apologize for the lack of podcasts. Uh, I thought that three uploads a week would uh, would be enough, and then I realized like it's kind of a lot of work for what I've got going on in my life right now. Uh, I haven't been in the best real position to record lately, so I apologize to the five of you who are missing out on that, but um, I got a new microphone, so hopefully I'm sounding a little clearer, better than my AirPods, and I'm now recording on Audacity uh, instead of Anchor. I'll still be uploading these through Anchor, Um, that way it'll distribute it easier and and all that good stuff, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to get that uh, on the table there, and, um, yeah, so, I'm not gonna recap every game that I missed, I'll, I'll go over the series, and, um, and, uh, a little prediction for the Stanley Cup final, I'll do, I'll do both outcomes that are possible tomorrow, we do have the, uh, New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning game six, Tampa leads that series three to two, we'll get into that in a minute, but first off, congratulations to these uh, these players slash coaches slash general managers on winning NHL awards. Uh, first up, Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames wins the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Um, yeah, I, I can I can see why he would win this one. Uh, the Flames were pretty successful this season up until the break and then ended up making the qualifying rounds, uh, beating out Winnipeg and then losing in the first round to, come on, Vancouver, I think. Vancouver, don't don't quote me on that. Man, feels like the first round or the qualifying round was was forever ago and the first round seems... Seems way in the past. But, yeah, again, congratulations to Calgary captain Mark Giordano. Uh, He's shown good leadership for the entire time that he's been the captain of the Flames. Um, And I'm sure that all the players and all the fans would rather have no guy. Or, yeah, yeah, would rather have nobody be captain than uh, Mark Giordano. Uh, Lou Lamorello of the New York Islanders, general manager, Wins the Jim Gregory Award for General Manager of the Year. Lamorello obviously hires Barry Trotz. That's a wonderful move on his part. And um, takes the Islanders to, well, the Eastern Conference Final. And their story's not over yet. Possibly the Stanley Cup Final. And I definitely think that Lamorello deserves this over anybody else. Um... Of course, Brisebois in Tampa Bay also fantastic job, but Lamorello coming to a new team a couple seasons ago from Toronto, hiring Barry Trotz and putting together this team uh, that is well capable of winning a Stanley Cup, I believe, just based on their systematic play and the way that Barry Trotz conducts them and the way that they conduct themselves on the ice. They have plenty of veterans. They have plenty of young presence in Beauvillier and Barzell and their young defensemen like Taze and uh, and Ryan Pollock. 
So congratulations, Lule Morello. Nathan McKinnon, the Nate Dog, wins the Lady Bing Award for basically just being a gentleman on the ice. Uh, he took five ma- five minor penalties this season, so ten penalty minutes. Uh, I'm not sure if he took any major penalties. I'm sure he did. He's He's got a little bit of a temper. But finished fifth in scoring with 93 points this year. So huge congratulations to Nathan McKinnon. His first Lady Bing Award. And, yeah, go Avs, go. Uh, Sean Couturier of the Philadelphia Flyers wins the Selkie Award for Best Defensive Forward. Usually Patrice Bergeron or Ryan O'Reilly win this award. They were actually nominated for it. Big surprise there. Valerie Nachushkin, however, of my Colorado Avalanche, was eighth in voting, which I found super interesting. So way to go, choo-choo. And, uh, yeah, huge huge congratulations to ah, Couturier. God, I can't talk. I'm a little rusty. i got to shake off the rust. Uh, Yeah, Sean Couturier wins the Selkie. Uh, I believe this is his first Selkie as well. I could definitely see him winning a couple more. He led the NHL in faceoff percentage this year. So um, we'll, we'll see if he can add a few more in his career because I think he's definitely a player who's capable of it. And a guy who kind of flies under the radar, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's kind of overshadowed by Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek over there in Philly. But he's really, he's really that third guy that um, has stepped up and really made a name for himself the past few years, at least in my opinion. So congrats to Sean Couturier. And last but not least, we got Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Boston Bruins, wins the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. The Bruins won the President's Trophy this year with the most points and allowed the fewest goals. So I thought that was interesting. They kind of led on both ends of that spectrum. Um, obviously you're not going to let in too many goals with their defense and their goaltending in Yarrow Halak and, uh, Tuka Rask, but Bruce Cassidy has proven he can conduct a team, um, to, uh, to win a Stanley cup. Actually, I don't, I don't know if he's won a Stanley cup, you know, but he took the Bruins to the cup finals last year and well, that's close enough. Game seven. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it for the awards. I'm going to kind of recap that. Giordano wins the Messier Leadership Award. Lule Morello, the Jim Gregory Award for GM of the Year. McKinnon wins the Bing. Couturier wins the Selkie. And Bruce Cassidy with the Jack Adams. Let's talk about the West. Dallas-Vegas. Uh, this series, I was shocked at the outcome. Dallas wins it 4-1, to one, and they're going on to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 2000. And this is huge for Dallas. Uh, again, they, they made a coaching change in the middle of the season. Jim Montgomery, who dealt with a, some, uh, some personal problems, um, who had to step aside. And they got this new guy, Rick Bonus who comes in and just a complete turnaround. And it really is reminiscent of the Blues of last year, who were dead last, got a new coach, and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So Dallas could do the same. They weren't dead last, but 
new coach, Stanley Cup. We'll see. Uh, Anton Hudobin has played absolutely dominantly. In uh, is dominantly a word? Somebody please look that up and uh, let me know. Direct message me on Twitter if you haven't followed me already. Please do. I'll. I'm gonna be a little more active on Twitter. I I like it, but uh, yeah. Besides the point. Uh, Anton Hudobin, he he's been dominant. Uh, again, I didn't expect this from Hudobin. I knew he was a solid like backup goalie, or at least that's how I've seen him. But this playoffs, oh my goodness, Hudobin is is blowing my mind for sure. I mean, he didn't allow more than three goals the entire series against Vegas. I mean, like in each game. So yeah. Hudobin's rolling, and uh, post game, his his speech when he received the uh, the player of the game award, I guess, in the Dallas locker room. They've got a big old chain. It's like a it's like a huge silver chain with a giant stars uh, sort of pennant in the middle. And his speech was in Russian. Well, not in Russian, but with a Russian accent. We are not going home. So, big message there. He he seems like a really funny guy. I'd like to meet Anton Hudobin. Um, and know what his secrets are. Because he's he's pretty much carrying the stars. Like, they're playing very hard, but it's heavily reliant upon their goaltending. And rightfully so. I mean, he's he's been playing very, very well. He has all 12 of the stars' wins this postseason. So it's his net for sure, and I'm sure Ben Bishop is supportive of that um, and also jealous. I would be too. Jamie Ben, in my book at least, is making a case for the Smythe. He's the captain of Dallas, um, and he's really, really stepped up as of recent. I remember in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, he really wasn't making a huge impact, but I feel like in this series especially, and a little bit in the Colorado series, he made a huge impact. Um, so yeah, another guy from Dallas that you would toss into the Smythe conversation, along with uh, Miro Heiskanen, who leads the team in points with 22, uh, mostly guided by assists. He has 17 of those, so five goals for Miro Heiskanen. Denis Gurionov leads the Stars in goals with nine. And, yeah, so the Stars are going to the Cup Final, which I'm not a huge fan of. I kind of wanted to see Vegas go to the Cup Final. I think I think Robin Leonard really deserves deserves a Cup or deserves to to win. You know, he, he played amazing for Vegas and got them as far as he did, but... I really think with all the stuff that this guy has been through, being in New York, being in Buffalo, with those kind of cruddy teams, and he finally comes to Vegas after a little short stint in Chicago. He comes to Vegas and amazes everyone, I think. And he's been very public about his mental health issues, which is, I can imagine, I can't imagine how hard that is. You know, it's hard for me to talk about talk about stuff that's going on in my head to my friends and family. But this guy has really kind of taken pride in the fact that maybe he's not all right, you know, and that's okay. And he's certainly been, certainly been an inspiration to a lot of people, including myself. 
I believe is I believe the movement that he's part of with the mental health thing is lift the mask. I, I think it's hashtag lift the mask, and um, it's again it's just talking about your mental health and uh, uh, seeing out resources to to help yourself with that. So Robin Leonard, I think. He's got a new contract with Vegas. They just signed him to a five-year deal. I believe he's making 5.75 annually. Let's check our friends at Cap Friendly real quick. Where are you, Robin Leonard? Ah, man. Holy cow, there were a lot of signings this week. Uh, I'm going to go through most of these signings towards the end of the episode. Uh, just the important ones. I'm not going to bore you with guys like, uh, Arthur Kaliev. Oh, geez, that contract was a long time ago. Where? Oh, where? Oh, it's not an official deal yet. That's why it's not on Cap Friendly. It was more of a handshake deal. Kind of forgot about that. But yeah, anyways, Robin Leonard has slowly become one of my favorite goaltenders in the league. And, um, I'm excited to see what he can do with Vegas for the next, for the next five years. Now, not to jump ahead to rumors and speculation and stuff, but I'm going to. What does this mean for Marc-Andre Fleury? Does he leave Vegas and go try to win a cup with another team? Or does he stay and stay in the backup role? I believe he has a no-move clause, which I'm sure can easily be waived. Um... But yeah, I, it really makes me wonder where Flurry is going to go. You know, Vegas was certainly a surprise, I think. But Pittsburgh had moved on. It seems like Vegas is moving on. I've heard rumblings about Toronto, um, but that would only make sense if they do end up not re-signing Frederick Anderson. So we're gonna we're gonna see where Flower ends up. He's also one of my favorite goaltenders. That's why Vegas was so exciting to watch for me because two of my favorite goalies in the league were were in the pipes for that series and for the playoffs. So it'll really be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, yeah, let's move on to the East. Uh, Islanders Lightning. Now this series was also three to one. Lightning were on top. The Islanders end up winning. Game 5 and forcing a Game 6 in double overtime. Jordan Eberle scores the double overtime winning goal after Kevin Shattenkirk fanned on a slap shot. And uh, Eberle, or who got the assist on that? Ooh. Ooh, I don't remember who had the assist. But whoever it was, one of the Islanders players took the puck away from Shattenkirk after he fanned on that shot, skated up the ice, and had a two-on-one Dished it across to Eberly. Eberly shoots, scores, and game six. Here we go. That'll be on Thursday. Uh, I would expect Semyon Varlamov and Andre Vasilevsky to get the starts for their respective clubs. Varlamov has played so well. I I miss Varley. He's really sticking it to the Avalanche. <laughs> um, Sometimes I wish that he was still on the Avalanche as much as I love Philip Grubauer and Pavel Ferencos. Varley's always going to have a place in my heart. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, see where he can take the Islanders, see if they can win game six. All right, I want to talk about Braden Point. Um, wow. 
I think that uh, he's probably the best player in the league right now um, with the three teams that are left. We'll count Vegas. Okay, so for the four teams that are left, I would say Braden Point has been by far the most impressive player on the ice. Um, Behind him, I would have to put either Victor Hedman or um, Anton Hudobin, probably. But this isn't a ranking. Um, Braden Point, he's got 25 points. And um, in this in this postseason, uh, which is crazy, he has played no more than no more than twenty games. I would I would say the Lightning have played. Uh, let's see, fifteen games this postseason. So Braden Point has twenty five points in fifteen games. Those numbers are unreal. Now. That doesn't count the uh, round-robin games. I don't know if those actually counted towards the players' stats for this postseason. Um, But 25 points in 15 games in the playoffs, nonetheless, is extremely impressive. On the other side, Josh Bailey leads the Isles with uh, 20 points. Not a name who I would expect to lead the team in scoring. Uh, You would expect a guy like Matt Barzell or Anders Lee to uh to be that guy but good for Josh Bailey. He's really he's really been a huge factor this postseason. Uh just last night, I mean he took a he took a beating, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it was Cal Clutterbuck, another veteran on the Islanders, but Cal Clutterbuck took a beating last night. He uh blocked a shot with his hip. It left a huge bruise. And I saw late in the late in the game they didn't really show it, but I believe it was an overtime. He blocked another shot uh, with the same hip. So, yeah, he was beat up. But Josh Bailey, who we're talking about. Sorry I went on that little uh, little tire-pumping session for Cal Clutterbuck. But, uh, yeah, Josh Bailey has impressed me um, definitely. Uh, I'm not sure if he leads the Islanders in goals. Um, I'm going to find that out right now. Come on. Come on. I clicked on the wrong thing. I'm, this is unprofessional. This is absolutely pathetic. And I apologize. But I'm also not really striving for greatness here. I'm striving for episode 5 of my podcast. Alright. So, here's... Oh, man. It's it's not there. Alright. Whatever. I don't think that Bailey leads in goals. If he does, cool. Good for him. But he's got 20 points for the Islanders. So, I would expect both... Braden Point, I don't think that Braden Point actually played in Game 5. I could be mistaken about that, but I heard something about him not dressing, uh, which is a big loss for the Lightning. Could be a could be a reason why they lost that game. Anyway, they have a chance to close it out. Uh, I think that it'll be another tight game. Um, I wouldn't expect Semyon Varlamov to allow very many goals. 
neither with Andre Vasilevsky. It's a goaltending battle between these two crazy Russians, one who I miss dearly and one who I've seen Nathan McKinnon score a hat trick on. His first career hat trick. Uh, besides the point. Oh, Victor Hedman, too. How can I not mention him? He has been playing on an absolute another level. Uh, he's been super entertaining to watch the way he handles the puck, especially when the puck's like deep in the offensive zone and uh, comes back up to the point for him, how he's able to really, really jump in with those offensive opportunities. Uh, otherwise, otherwise known as just fat slap shots, I would say. I would say fat slap shots is a good way to uh, describe Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman's shots. All right, let's get on to the cool stuff. We got the trades, rumors, and news segment. I'm not going to do a uh, team of the night segment considering there's nobody playing tonight. And, um, yeah, I don't really feel like covering three games of that. So don't you worry, all of you late night hockey podcast team of the night fans. Uh, it will be back, I promise. And I've got pop-ups. Man. I need a new laptop. I need a new laptop. You know, I, I like this one, though. It's done its job. Shout out to my cousin Chris for giving me this Alienware laptop. It's pretty cool. Uh, I like it. And shout out to Braden's brother, Colin Barnhart, uh, in Texas. He gave me this mouse. It's pretty cool. It lights up. All right. Trades, rumors, and news. I'm getting sidetracked. Let's head on over to our friends at Cap Friendly to go through all this good stuff. So I'm going to go through, like, important signings and what I think about them. Uh... Yoel Edmondson or Joel Edmondson? Probably Joel. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens signed him to a four-year, $3.5 million contract. Uh, I think that Edmondson definitely deserves a, a good contract. I'm not sure if he's coming off of his rookie deal or not. Um, I, don't, I don't believe he is. Uh, but yeah, Canadians get a left defenseman. He's 27 and I like the way that Edmondson plays. He played very well for St. Louis and then was traded to Carolina where he didn't, he didn't fit in bad there. So I think he can slot in to Montreal's defense, uh, either playing with Shea Weber or with Jeff Petrie. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll definitely be interesting to see if he can really get up to that next level. Uh, but a good signing for the Canadians, a low-risk signing, I would say. He's a guy who you could deal for cheap if you needed to, if the uh, if the product wasn't what expected. But good for Yoel Edmondson getting that contract. Jonas Brodeen re-signs a seven-year, $6 million deal for the Minnesota Wild. Jonas Brodeen, a player who is special to me, the only player on the Wild who is special to me. Because one game, I uh, was at Pepsi Center at the club level. Uh, you get there a little early; they'll cook you up a dinner. You know, no big deal. It's all, it's all included in the ticket. Anyway, I'm sitting down by the Zamboni entrance, 
and the players are kind of doing their hopping and skipping around doing dry land warm-ups. And Jordan Greenway is walking by and being the annoying fan that I am, I ask him, can I have your autograph? Greenway goes, no, no, not this time. Jackass. Uh, so I've never really liked Jordan Greenway uh, because of that. I'm, I'm a little salty about that. But Then Jonas Brodine comes down, and I ask him for an autograph, and he signs my ticket. So I've got a ticket signed by Jonas Brodine, if that's ever uh, of any value. It was a preseason game, so I doubt it will be. My goodness. These pop. That's the one thing I don't like about this computer is I believe it has a virus. And I'm not sure like which antivirus software to download because it might also be a virus. So I don't know. I'll, I'll have to figure that out. Uh, any of you tech nerds, <coughs> Brandon, uh, let me know how to fix that. Um, okay. Oh, I thought this one was interesting. Arizona re-signs Aiden Hill to a one-year $8,000 or $800,000 contract. And uh, he's a goaltender. He's 24. And Auntie Ranta and Darcy Kemper, there's been talk about them getting dealt. Um, So it's kind of interesting to me because it's a one-way deal. So he's not going to be swinging down to the minor leagues. Um, So I think the Coyotes are preparing to move Ranta or Kemper, maybe both, if they want to enter a uh, a rebuild, which I think that club definitely needs. So, interesting, I think. Definitely ramps up the uh, speculation for Ronta and Kemper. Uh, Jacob De La Rose signs with St. Louis. Um, I believe he was traded to St. Louis in the Robbie Fabro deal, right? I believe so. The uh, the blue who went over to Detroit, I believe it's Robbie Fabro. I hope I'm not. Dante Fabro? Oh, man. Robbie Fabry. That's who it is. Man. I was really confusing myself there. Uh, went over to Detroit, and I believe St. Louis acquired him from Detroit and then re-signed him to a one-year, one-way, $700,000 contract. Good for De La Rose. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. He hasn't really impressed me from the time he was in Montreal, even in Detroit and now with St. Louis. I mean, he really hasn't impressed I think a lot of people. He's 25 years old. Um, but it's a low-risk signing for the Blues, getting a little more depth at that center position. He can also play left winger. So that'll definitely um, definitely be interesting to see if he can get a little jump start with the Blues. I think he really fits into their structure pretty well, adding a little more speed and mobility to that fourth line. I would assume he's going to be playing on the fourth line or on the uh, on the third line, possibly. But yeah, it'll. I wonder if I wonder if this will kind of jumpstart him. Uh, the Oilers signed 35-year-old Adam Cracknell 
to a one-year $700,000 deal. He's a right winger. It's a two-way deal, so he can swing down to the AHL. This is low risk, possibly high reward. I mean, adding veteran experience and veteran depth to your forwards is never a bad idea. I don't think, especially for a team like the Oilers, who is so young and inexperienced in the playoffs. So I think that Cracknell can be a guy who uh, can come up for injuries or possibly start the season if he's playing well, stay in the lineup. If not, go down. That flexible kind of guy. So good for him getting another contract. Um, Let's see. Let's keep going here. Nothing real big. Um, yeah, th- those are pretty much the big signings. Um, so the the most value of those signings is Jonas Brodine, making forty two million. So great for him. Uh, again, a guy that is cool to me because he signed my ticket. All right, trades. Trades, 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 trades. Where? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Catherine. Give me trades. I follow a lot of hockey accounts on Instagram and on Twitter, and the recalls and, like, uh, loan transactions are kind of driving me crazy. I'll get a picture of, say, like Martin Kaut, a promising forward for the Avalanche. And just with that is a loan. He got loaned to some team in the Czech Republic. or uh, Yeah, I think, I think it was in the Czech Republic. Not important. All right. Trades, trades, trades. Let's go back to September 11th, 2020. Uh, Minnesota Wild acquire Nick Bugstad. Uh, half of his salary retained by Pittsburgh. So this is only costing Minnesota $2 million. Uh, and the Penguins acquire a 2021 conditional seventh-round pick. I would assume that this is a small cap dump for the Penguins. They're, they don't really like how Bugstad's playing, or uh, they can see him as a flexible asset. I would have tried to get more. Um, it is a conditional seventh-round pick, so the pick w- will be transferred if Bugstad plays in 70 games or earns 35 points. So basically, if he has a good season in Minnesota, then the Penguins get the pick. Minnesota had the steering wheel in this trade completely. The Penguins, I'm sure, were like, hey, can you take this contract? We're trying to dump it. We'll We'll keep half of it, and if it doesn't work out, then we won't charge you a pick. So, I don't know. I think Bugstad will have some success in Minnesota. Minnesota might be dangerous this season. They did make the play-in round and lost to Vancouver. But with that uh, with that Russian kid that they have in the KHL, I forget, I forget his name, and I'm not even going to try to remember it. But he's a, a, a stud, apparently. So that's a forward added. Um, Minnesota makes some more news in, uh, in another trade that I'm about to talk about. But I think that he'll fit in pretty well. Uh, Possibly a good replacement for Jason Zucker. Maybe not as strong defensively with the puck, but again, that offensive presence and um, 
Yeah, Minnesota needs it. Minnesota needs fresh offensive production. Um, next trade, September 12th, the following day, the Hurricanes acquire a 2025th round pick from the Montreal Canadiens. That is the 140th pick in the draft for Joel Edmondson's signing rights. So Edmondson was an unrestricted free agent. The Hurricanes were able to get a fifth-round pick for sending him to Montreal uh, prior to the free agency. Um, what, what would you call that? Free agency day uh, where the players are allowed to start signing with other teams on October 9th. So the Canadians get to sign him early, and uh, they just lose a fifth-round pick for it. So, good for them. They did end up signing him uh, to a deal. It was a four-year, 3.75 mil, I believe. So, good for Joel Edmondson and the Canadians. And the Hurricanes, they don't have to worry about signing him, and they get something out of him. And the last trade that I've got to talk about is today, September 16th, Eric Stahl was sent to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Marcus Johansson. The Wild acquire Johansson for $4.5 million. And Eric Stahl making $3.25 million. Uh, I think this is a good acquisition for the Wild. Again, building that center depth with Johansson. He can definitely play on a third wing and you can see, or a third line, excuse me, and you can see that Minnesota is trying to build depth. They're trying to get deep, like, these successful teams have, especially in their division with Colorado, St. Louis, Dallas, and uh, and even Winnipeg, to some to some extent. Um, again, a good trade, good trade for the Wild. Johansson is experienced. He played in Washington, in New Jersey, and a little bit of time in Buffalo. And I definitely would enjoy having him on my team, being my center. Eric Stahl. On the other hand, uh, he's old. You know, I I mean, I would say he's definitely past his prime. He can add a veteran experience, though, and I think that's what the Sabres could be trying to achieve with this one. They're also saving about uh, a about million dollars. But it's veteran presence. He can be a depth center, and he's he's been impactful. I mean, he had that. 50 goal season a couple years ago. I I believe he scored 50 um, for Minnesota. So who knows? Maybe he'll, maybe he'll find a good stride. Maybe he'll get some time on the power play. Uh, I would assume it would be the second power play with uh, Reinhardt and Eichel on that top power play unit, but interesting for the Sabres. Um, They did lose Evan Rodriguez. Oh wait, no, that was the Penguins. Man. Okay, that was a while ago. I don't pay much attention to the Sabres. They're not exciting. Eichel is. Jack Eichel's running the show over there. But, yeah, I think I think this is a pretty good trade for both sides. And who knows, maybe, maybe the Wild could be looking to flip Johansson for younger talent. Same thing with Eric Stahl flipping him to a contender at the deadline for young talent or picks. Wouldn't be a bad idea. So... That's it for the recent trades. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, I think, is going to be very interesting. Um, another name that's kind of come up in the trade rumors is uh, Oliver ekman Larson. 
of the Coyotes. He's their captain. Um, the Coyotes are looking like they're going to be rebuilding soon, I would say. I would I would say that this is the year to start that rebuild. Um, so it'll be... It'll definitely be crazy to see uh, to see Ekman Larson getting traded. And a name that has more recently kind of come up on the trade block is Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild. Wild are making moves to bring in offensive depth and looking to shed a defenseman. I mean, Dumba is a, is a top 15 defenseman, or a top 20 defenseman in the league, I would say. He plays very. He plays a very, very solid game. Like a, how do I want to say it? Like a, a very consistent game. You can rely on him night after night to a produce offensively, and b keep the puck out of your own net. And uh, definitely a guy I would want on my team if I were one of these GMs. So it'll be interesting to see the offers for him. And I believe this also happened today. Jim Montgomery gets the assistant coaching job in St. Louis. Uh, Jim Montgomery is a guy that I've met when he was coaching for the DU Pioneers. I got to go to a game, and before the game, uh, he came into the sort of dining area that we were in. Um, again, it was it was like club-level tickets. Uh, not a big deal. But I got to shake his hand, and uh, he talk to the people in the in the dining area about the strategies and sort of line combinations and everything for tonight and what to expect from the game and it was really cool it was like a live interview before the game so it was really cool to see but yeah congrats to Jim Montgomery he gets over that alcoholism uh alcoholism issue that he had with Dallas and um yeah, good for Jim Montgomery. I think that he'll fit in well with uh, Craig Berube's system of play. Montgomery, again, coached Dallas. Dallas is a very physical team. St. Louis plays hard on the puck, fast on the puck. So I think Montgomery will fit very well as an assistant coach. And maybe he gets to run the power play. You know, maybe he decides who's out there for St. Louis. And, uh, yeah, it'll be good. And we'll see if he can get another uh, head coaching job uh, in his career, but this is a good start, and what a turnaround. Just just half a year ago, he lost his job in Dallas, and he's back. All right, so kind of wrap it up here, do a little chit-chat. Um, let's, let's talk about the Nuggets. Boo, NBA, boo. Um, I don't watch basketball. I don't like it. I think the NBA is a joke. But being from Colorado, the Nuggets have made some noise and some history as they are the first NBA team to come back from down 3-1 to one in two consecutive rounds. So down three games to one, come back and win the series in two consecutive rounds. Uh, they're on to the conference finals to face the Lakers, I believe. Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's about it for the people who care about basketball. And now for the people who care about football, uh, the NFL the other night started, uh, started the season September 10th. 
Texans versus Chiefs, and the Chiefs had fans at Arrowhead Stadium, and I I was shocked at this. Like there was no uh, there was no announcement that fans could attend the game. I don't think. Uh, I don't follow football too closely. I'm I'm trying to a little more this year. Uh, following the Browns, I'm a Browns fan, and um, <clears throat> so I I just thought it was crazy that there was fans at this NFL game in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, they they were obviously like socially distanced, and I believe the capacity was at twenty percent. Um, so I'm sure that's legal in Missouri. I'm sure they had some state mandate that was that was legalizing that. But it was also interesting seeing nobody wearing masks. Nobody, I mean, they were socially distanced, but it wasn't every person. It was groups of four or five people sitting all in a in a row and then spaced out 10 feet from them as another family. And I can imagine that the concession lines and the bathroom lines, the bathrooms themselves are unsanitary. It doesn't sound like a good idea, but hey, it's America. Football, football is priority. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of thought that was crazy. Um, oh, let's talk about drop-in hockey, shall we? I'm playing drop-in for Skate City. Um, yeah, it's it's what I can afford <laughs> until this podcast takes off, of course. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to get back into playing hockey, so I started with roller hockey and. Um, let's go over Monday, this, this past session, we were going to start an adult league and we can't because not enough people are showing up. So if you want to come to an adult league at Skate City, come on Mondays at seven, it's a good time. But, uh, we, we've kind of got some teams like formed, I guess the past couple weeks, it's pretty much been the same, same teams. And, um, yeah, so not to brag or anything, but I've had six goals in each of my last three games. Not a big deal. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun scoring on this, like, 45-year-old guy who can't play goalie. But that's not a dig at him. I am happy that he shows up. It's nice having a goalie to shoot on and to score on. But, yeah, enough of pumping my own tires. I think I'm going to do a little drop-in update every uh, every week that I play. Because I don't know. Why not? Why not? It's a late-night hockey podcast. It doesn't have to be NHL. Maybe I'm going to start covering the KHL as well. Let me know if I should. I'm thinking maybe. And I'm also thinking I might have to learn Russian. There may have been a sound issue right there. My computer froze up a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, so that's going to wrap it up. Uh, happy to be back on the horse. This was kind of fun recording. I've got my new microphone. Not recording in my car with my AirPods. I'm moving up. Moving on up. Follow me on Twitter at Late Night Hockey Podcast. I got that changed. Shout out to Ethan Hall for uh, for helping me change that. So it's now at LNHP 
or LNH podcast, I believe is what it is now. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. But um, just look up Late Night Hockey Podcast. You'll get there. I promise. And, um, yeah. I gotta stop saying um so much. We need a um counter. Anyway, Stanley Cup Finals will probably be underway by the time I upload the next episode. Um, oh, I said I was gonna do predictions for that. Okay, if it's Dallas and Tampa, I'm saying Tampa and seven. If it's Dallas and New York, I'm saying Dallas and six. Hot takes. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. So I'll talk to all of you in episode six. Not going to say when that's coming out because I really don't know. And yeah, thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. Have a good night.